sins have been paid. But if you just ate a wafer and drank a little bit of juice, guess what? You probably want to check yourself. And you want to make sure that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's that important. It is that important. Um, <coughs> I wonder if I can... Uh, Um, as a pastor of the house, I, I want to make another apology and I want to make another plea. And I'm, and I'm not doing this to draw attention, but I'm doing this to draw attention. Um, you know, sometimes we see people in church and we don't understand the struggles that they're going through. We don't understand where they're hurt. We can't understand because we're not in their shoes. Anybody got problems in your life? Struggles? Anybody feeling things? Look around you. That's body, body, every day, hurt body. So should there come a point in time when we live our lives understanding that our brothers and sisters need us? That we can step up and we can rise up to a new calling from God? And isn't it enough to love your neighbor? love God. Like, if I can get those things down, then, then isn't that good? Well, we have a neighbor here who's been going through a lot of a lot of struggles, and I didn't really realize the weight, because typically she she acts jovial and, and life-giving and smiles and, you know, giggles. But her daughter's hurting, has extreme pain, and as a mom, when you can't do anything for your kid, how does that like you can't do anything to ease the pain. You have another daughter that needs a lot of attention. And you have a son that you don't get to see as much as you want to. And life is just throwing you one, feels like a hand grenade after hand grenade after hand grenade. And all of a sudden the pressure and the weight builds up and you don't know what to do. Where are you going to turn? Well, we need to turn to God, but, but he tells us to turn to our neighbors, right? We need to become a community. We need to become a family. And Tara, I'm sorry, because I feel like in so many ways I've let you down. And I don't know how to always serve or to help. But I just want to tell you that I love you. And I'm proud of the things that you're doing, and I'm so sorry. Right now, things are stacking up. I don't know the pressure of having everybody that you know in your medical circle tell you that you don't know if you're going to have food for your baby. I don't know what that's like. So we need to be a community that just is constantly in prayer. And prayers and hugs and how do we help. Sometimes we just need to love one another.
struggle is to hold it together. And we love her. We love all these kids. We just want that blessing. We want that blessing, Father. We want that blessing for her and her family. So Lord, shower her with your love. Give each of us the strength and the power to be more than we ever thought we could be. That we could raise her up. That we could help her. That we could assist. In any way that you see fit. So Lord, give each and every one of us a word. And a way that we can help. A way that we can love and support. Give you the glory, Father. Amen. Amen. How do you think that makes me feel to be Stings. Anybody get defensive? Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, that's the way we're taught. You come at me with the truth that I don't like or don't want to recognize? What do we do? You shut down? Oh, I don't. I don't. Sometimes, sometimes I have the spiritual ability to walk away. You know, like I know all the things, like the world has taught me all these things. I was a troublemaker when I was young, so I got to do cognitive intervention class to help a young, angry boy. And so I learned to, excuse me, but I need to take 10 minutes and I'm going to walk around the block. And then I'll come back and we'll talk about it. That's actually effective if you use it. Did you know that? Like, let me go collect my thoughts, because right now I'm a little fired up. Are you a failure if you fail at something? No. Are you a loser if you lose something? No. No, no it's the truth about your emotional state. Because we all know the answer, right? Like, what's the Sunday school answer for everybody? everybody Jesus! Jesus is always the answer. What's that joke about the what has a poofy tail climbs climbs trees and eats nuts? The Sunday school asked the kids. Squirrel. And little Johnny says, "Well, you know that sure sounds like a squirrel, but I know that the answer is always Jesus." <laughs> <laughs> and so, so we know the things, but how do we do it? Actually, walking it out. How do we do walking that out? How do we do? How do we? How, how do we honestly do it? And then how do we have grace for others who fail at it? Because, like I said, I mean, there's times that I just straight up suck as a husband. I wouldn't want to be married to me sometimes. How is that so? So I preached. I preached a message and I taught a, a small little seminar for women when I was in that one was in Kenya, I believe. And in Kenya, there's a real problem oftentimes with being able to provide. So a man takes on the role to be the provider, and the woman is traditionally the homekeeper. Um, that's a pretty traditional role. The woman goes, or the man goes out in the morning. He doesn't have a job, but there's a lot of hustles that you can do. You can, you know, you can 
run this here, run that there. People need runners, they need. But sometimes there's nothing. Sometimes somebody will come with a two wheel dolly and take all the loads. And they'll run it and they'll deliver and they'll get all the money and you're left with nothing. Sometimes it's raining and the deliveries aren't being done by anything other than a car. And so the husband, at three or four o'clock in the afternoon, has made no money. He's got nothing to eat all day long. And he's got to go home and he's got to face his wife and his children. How does that man feel? Defeated, worthless, weak, insufficient. So what happens when he comes home and his wife says, hey, what'd you bring us? And he says, I have nothing. What's the typical reaction? Is it Jesus? No. See, right? So a lot of times, what happens is the wife will pitch a fit, and rightfully so. She's afraid. She's afraid because now how do we feed our kids? How do we do these things? Right? And so she's upset, and she starts yelling at the husband, who's already beat himself up the entire walk home. The entire, who knows, three quarters of the day, seven days of the day, half of the day, whatever it is, he's beat himself up. And now he comes home and it's just hammered into his head even more that he's worthless and he's weak. What happens next? I would say that his mental state. Where do you think his mental state is by that time? How are you when you beat yourself up and somebody decides to remind you? Real bad, real bad. Right, does it use Oh, well, thank you. You know, I haven't noticed that all day. I didn't even realize that I had. But gosh, I just love failing. It feels so good. Or do you think there might be something else? Right? Like, can we be honest? Like, let's really look at, at things. Like, things stack up emotionally and spiritually on us when we're struggling, when we're not having the right place. And I'm not justifying my actions by telling the story. I'm telling the story because. I was telling these women about this so that maybe they could look and see how their treatment to their husband who already beat himself up is going to help or hurt the situation. You see, because it's, it's two coming together to be one. And when you feel like a failure, it's hard to grab a hold of your emotions and keep them in check and speak and say and do the right things. It's hard. But what happens when the team, when there's that struggle and the team comes together and she says, babe, I know that you did the best you could. And I know the times are really tough. And I know that things are really hard. And I know that you wanted to. You left and you wanted to do well. And I believe in you. And we got tomorrow. We got food to make it through today. We're not dying. It might be small, but we're going to make it. Does that change the way that the husband then responds? Right? And so now we start, and so when the wife fails at something or comes up short of something, what is his behavior towards her? Or what should it be? Should he say, gosh, look what an idiot you are. You failed, you lost. Or should he say, that's okay, honey, we're going to make it. It's going to be okay. I know that you did your very best. And I'm sorry that this happened. But see, in life, we're not talking.
taught to have that much grace. We're not taught to walk with grace because that's letting the weak be weak and the strong establishing their dominance. Right? So you can't, you can't just keep doing it. And so we speak out things that aren't fair or right. And many of us have been taught how to do that in our home lives. Our parents had struggles, they fought, and so now we know how to fight, we know how to do these things. What lessons are we teaching and how, how has Christ changed or altered our lives? You see, we have to do something different. Like we just took communion and something in us has to change, right? We have to be willing to let that stuff go. Let the old go and bring in the new. Every fall when, you, when you're done with your garden and you've taken the harvest, what do you do? Right? You pull some stuff and then you rototill it under, you fertilize it, and then you prepare for next year. Right? You don't get mad, you don't start screaming, stupid garden. What are we doing? What are we doing in our lives that's any different because of Jesus Christ? That's a hurtful truth. It's hard to swallow. It's hard to take, but I'm struggling. I'm struggling to be to do better every time. I want to. My prayers are earnest when I say, God, please help me. Please help me, Father, because on my own. On my own, I'm nothing. With you, Lord, I'm everything. I can be everything that you called me to be, Father. So I need your help. So let's pray and we'll start our message. So Father, we thank you, Lord, for today. We thank you for your love and your truth, your guidance. We thank you, Lord, for your grace. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Father God, because you are a way maker and a chain breaker. You are. You are. You are. That is something so beautiful and so incredible. So, Father God, right now, for, for those who are worshiping at home this morning and watching on, on Facebook, I just pray that you, as well as this congregation, would have an incredible day. That you would be blessed beyond all measure. You, you would find strength that you never knew you had to do the next right thing. One step at a time, but take the step. So, Father, guide our steps and bless us. As we give this time to worship and praise to you. Amen. Amen. All right, so last week we finished up on James 3, 5, and 6. And this week we're moving on. So if you got your Bibles, turn to James 3. And James is towards, towards the back of the book. Ethan, what page? Mine's different than everybody else's. <laughs> it's, it's just how the pastor tries to teach you. <laughs> All right, so it says, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. Right, so what are we doing right there? What's he doing? He's showing like man's dominance over beasts. If you think about beasts, what's the biggest beast on the earth? Okay, we can say, well, I was thinking an elephant. Yep. Mm -hmm. All right. 
Who's got a grandkid that's at that point or a child that's at that point? I had a nephew, I think he was that's at that point. But even that big old beast can be tamed by man. So certainly we must have some strength, we must have some power. Right? There must be something like look at us. We're awesome. But no human being, no human being can tame the tongue. It is restless, it is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. What side of it are you on? How many of you guys always, in everything that comes out of your mouth, speak blessing? <laughs> How about just thinking it? Oh. <laughs> yeah, I got to say it for that. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Let's spend this study about names. What's, what is James calling us to do? What has he been calling us to do this whole book so far? Like, is there some kind of change that has to come? Remember, remember that we, that we <coughs> need to be more than just words, but actions. It's one of my favorite, my wife's favorite things. I don't really care about your apologies until your actions match. Like, well, what was the sense of me apologizing? I'll wait till I'm perfect and give you one at the end. My last breath will be saying, I'm sorry. Because now that I'm dead, you finally got me perfect. You see, but we're all like that. It's not a bad thing to an extent, but should we not show mercy and grace? Like, Maybe just an apology is the beginning of an action to follow. I don't have the action steps and I don't do everything perfect, but if I'm genuinely sorry, genuinely sorry, you can see, you can, you can recognize in me that I'm pained over my actions, over my words. And I say I'm sorry. What good does it do for you not to believe my I'm sorry? What are you speaking when you say, then calm your tongue or let me see your actions first before I believe you. Is that grace or not? You see, because I use my wife as an example, but I don't know that I'm any different. She just is, is gracing me and blessing me with, with being able to utilize her as, as an illustration. You know, that's one of the things I love about my wife. Is never in the time that we've known each other have I ever heard her try and tell me that she's perfect. But the one thing she does tell me is she's like, Fred, I, I married you because I want to need you to be the spiritual head of the house. I need you to be an example. I need you to lead me and guide me. And I was thinking about how many times I failed her on the way in. Are my words always blessing or are they cursing? How many of you guys get, when you get mad or upset at your spouse or a friend, you can pick up five things that they've done wrong in the last month and throw them back in their face? Anybody really good at that? You a master that one? You know, you're stupid, your mom dressed you funny. Remember that one? 
But doesn't the word tell us that love keeps no record of wrong? It's hard not to. You see, because we need to rely on Holy Spirit to create a change in us, which means we need to let go of the things that we hold so dearly, even if we hate them. How many of you guys, after you've had a, a dispute, feel horrible about the dispute you had? Right? Man, I didn't need to do that. I, gosh, I wish I could take that back. But once the word's out, once the word is out, I have two choices. I have two choices. Once I speak, once I spew this venom, this restless, my tongue is restless evil, full of deadly poison. So once I spew deadly poison out, I have two choices. One of them is I can try and justify my behaviors and tell you how wrong you are. Well, yeah, I wouldn't have said that if it wasn't for you. You did this and I did this because you did that. Anybody have that fight? Yeah. I don't know. Like, a lot of I'm sure. The other thing I can do is I can recognize that I made a mistake. And I can ask for forgiveness and I can own my stuff. Because it's not until I own my stuff that I'm going to change anything. I have to be able to see the errors of my ways before I fix it. We're not exactly people who fix things that aren't broke. Matter of fact, we're so that way that we made a saying that says, don't fix it if it ain't broke. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? We've all heard that one. But we can all use a little fixing. And the only fixing to where we're going to get is from the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit comes into us through Jesus Christ on the cross when we're given that gift. You see, Jesus came to fulfill that. He's the spotless lamb, so when we take him in, we take in him. We've received his Holy Spirit, so we have a power, we have an authority inside of us to make changes. But sometimes these changes are going to hurt because you have to recognize your own junk. And it's a whole lot easier to just stuff it in a closet and shut the door. There's two people who know what's in your closet. You and God. So who are you running from? Who are you hiding from? Yourself. And how's it working out for you so far? Wouldn't it be better to just get rid of it? To just say, God, take this from me. I don't want this. This is not part of who I am. This is not what my heart is crying out for. I want something different, and I want to be better for myself, for you, and for my neighbor. Because I can't love you and sing your praises on one side of my mouth while screaming toxic garbage on the other side. And I need to check myself before I wreck myself and realize when we get to the end, when he says, I'm sorry, but I do not know you. You see, that's when you don't get to say I'm sorry anymore. So it's important that we recognize what Christ did. It's important for us to recognize who we are in Christ, and we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And the, the words of the scripture actually mean something to bring forth a change in and through us. You see, because if the church starts behaving the way that God has called the church to behave, 
we are no longer going to be hypocritical, double-minded Christians. We're going to be singly-minded, singly-focused on God, setting the pace for the way that God has called us to be. Things will be different if we actually invoke the change that God has called us to do. If we enact those changes, if we start to do that, if we recognize the things that we're doing. Romans 3.13. If you turn to Romans 3.13, he's just a little bit to your left if you're in the book of James. And you may wonder why, if I have the words up on the screen, you need to turn to the pages. The reason that you would turn to your pages is the familiarity. And in the book of John, he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the Word of God is actually God speaking. Jesus Christ spoke these words into existence. Holy Spirit filled men and spoke every word. So it's important to have that in that relationship to know where to find these things because they're, they're a tool, a very amazing tool that can transform you. So in Romans 3.13, their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Anybody else got a sharp tongue? got an amazing ability. And I praise God because it's settled down a lot. I still got work to do. But if I'm open to it, God will take it from me. I don't have to fight. I have to surrender. Which is counter to everything I've ever learned prior to knowing God. I have to surrender. And say, God, take this from me. All right, back to the book of James. James 3, 9 and 10. So he's talking about the tongue again. He says, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. How long ago was this book written? This book was written somewhere between 50 and 60 A.D.? And what has changed? If they're writing about this back then, to who? Remember this book was written to the dysphoria, the, the dispersion, excuse me, those 12 tribes who were dispersed out back in the 50s and 60s, the very first ones. What's changed in the church? Do you think that the church is getting it? Do you think that we're listening? Certainly some are. But I think that overall we have a problem. Like nothing has changed. And what happens if nothing changes? Nothing changes, right? Like go ahead and do nothing about everything and expect everything to be different than it is. So do you think that somewhere along this whole mess of things, we better start getting our poop in a group. We better start figuring it out. Like, we can't just do nothing about 
anything and expect anything to be any different. But if the church keeps going on, being double-minded hypocrites, walking out there, running their gums, cursing people, not forgiving people, what are we doing? You see, because it's a call. It's a call for us. Ted says, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers, these things, these things ought not be so. Sunday morning in some jack wagon changes lanes as we're turning up here. We're going to make a turn there in the far lane. We're making a turn and all of a sudden they start coming over in our lane with no blinker on. What do you say? I forgive you. Oh Lord, please bless them for you. Know not what they do. We call them Hogwarts on that one. Most of us know what we say. It's uncomfortable in scary situations. But what I'm saying is that when we honor that relationship with God, when we take Him inside and we actually recognize where we're falling short, and we humble ourselves and get on our knees and pray to God, Lord, take this from me, for this is not your best for me. My anger, my quick witted, my quick tongue is not what you have for me. You didn't send your son so that I could curse out everybody who upset me. You, saved, you set your son on the cross so that I might be different. That I might bring the light and the truth and the love of Jesus Christ to a world that so desperately needs it. Sometimes the hardest place to do that is in your home. I've oftentimes, I've remarked about this my entire Christian walk. I'm oftentimes better to people that I don't know than I am to people that are close. Amen. 
Somehow I raise my expectations for those who are closest to me and they should just know. But what about the expectations I have for myself? Well, let's not talk about that right now, okay? Please just look by that. We're talking about you, sinner. <laughs> Ephesians 3, 14 to 16. That again is to the left of James. So Ephesians 3, 14 and 16. You've got yours about there. It says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So here he is talking about this Holy Spirit that fills you in your inner being, that gives you a strength. One of the places that I may or may not be really hard is I don't really favor women to be like useless or something. Like, I just can't, something inside me just will not allow you, like, I want you at least to have the knowledge of how to do something, and I don't want to always hear, I can't, I can't, I can't, I'm a woman. I just don't, I don't go with that way. A 13-year-old is like, you can do this. I can't. You can. And so, you know, it's like, once you try it, you know, then we'll see what you can do and what you can or cannot do. But I want to be that guy that tries to build up the one that encourages. And sometimes I fail, I push a little too hard or, you know, whatever. But how about for myself? So if I'm going to fall, if I'm going to fall prey and say that I'm a victim, that I can't do something that God is calling me to do, I can't make the changes, then am I really, am I double-minded? You see, because the same power that raised Jesus from the cross can shut my mouth when it needs to. If I give it up to God, if I'm living as a spiritual being, I can take every thought captive. Each and every one of us hears of what we're going to say or knows when something is coming up. We're like, I'm about to lose control. And this is not the one, and I think I like it. This is the one, and I know I don't. Right? So we can, we can start there. We can ask God, stop this. We can remove ourselves from situations. We can actually think about the things that are coming and the things that we're doing. And we can move from it. James. Back to James. And this is, this is what we were talking about a little bit before. James 3, 11 and 12 says, Does it spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Right? Like, how many of you guys, when you go to Rock Springs and get your fresh spring water, do you look at your watch and say, okay, five more seconds, three, two, one, get a drink and watch your, watch your watch, five, four, get your mouth away, right? Because five second bursts of salt water, five second bursts of fresh water, right? Isn't that how that goes? How do we, when we're walking with Christ, speak both venom and love? 
We're relying on our own strength and our own power to do it. We're doing things the way that we always did things. My argument is even for myself that I can, I can, I can be changed. I can, I can do better. I know I can. And where I struggle, where I fail miserably, I gotta give it up to God. I gotta ask God, like, Lord, what is it? Why is it that I'm holding on to this? I don't even like this, but here I go again. Why am I doing that? And then I gotta, I gotta zip it. And I gotta listen to what God is actually trying to tell me. Because some of us are hiding hurts and hang-ups. Some of us are feeling like a failure already before the world, before the world even accuses us of anything. We feel unworthy. We're carrying a bad belief system that causes us to maintain our old tactics and strategies. But if God is telling you that you're not a piece of trash, that you're not a failure, that you're not a loser, that you actually have something good to give to the world, then why won't you believe that? He's a chain breaker. He's a way maker. We just sang the song. Everybody in here was singing it. What are we doing? In a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or, or grapevine produce figs. Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So, it says, die to self and to live in Christ. Are you the same person? That you were. When you give Jesus Christ your life, are you the same person as what you were before? What does the word tell us, yes or no? no. Are you changed? Are you new? Yes. So what's stopping us? What's stopping us? Here. You see, because God wants to answer these questions for you. He wants to take these things from you. He wants to take all your hurts, your hang-ups, your failings, your shortcomings, and he wants to show you who you really are. Because a tainted, broken world has told you and created you to be this. But who is that from? If it's not from God, where is it from? The enemy. And the enemy has worked for generations and generations, from the beginning of time, from the fall of Adam and Eve, to try and tell us that we're less than. You see, because when he said to, to Eve, like, hey, did God say that you would die? What's stopping you from wanting to know or to understand God? And the deception just kept on going over 6,000 years now. And here we are doing the same thing. God created each and every one of you beautifully in his image. Genesis 1.26. Will you receive that? Will you take that to heart? So Father, we thank you and we love you, Lord. We thank you and we love you and we ask for transformation, real transformation in our hearts. That we could be different. That we could be changed and loved by you. Lord, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' holy name. Happy Father's Day.